0: Hey everyone, welcome to This is Steph Sober, a weekly podcast for those in need of some sober support. I'm your host Steph, and here it is you guys, the anticipated podcast chat with the one and only Pearl, otherwise known as Rock Bottomed Girl. This conversation touches on everything from bowel movements to squirrels fornicating in a tree. Yes, yes. In true Pearl fashion, there was no dull moments in this conversation. But don't be fooled by her sense of humor. Pearl might poke fun of her drinking days, but she takes her sobriety very seriously. And that, to me, is an approach that I can relate to. Pearl, I love the way you use your creative talents and humor to narrate the negative effects of alcohol and it's unique. And for me, it's very refreshing. I want to thank you for sharing your gift and making me laugh daily. This is Pearl Sober.
1: Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'll answer that question properly because people don't tend to, do they? They just, right. just yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very happy to Finally, talk to you for a start. No. <laughs> Same. I wonder if I'll ever meet you in in four dimensions. It's only two D that I ever see you now. So I know. I think you'll ever make a trip to Europe one day?
0: I might. It's it's definitely crossed my mind.
1: Oh, you're great. and you're in Belgium, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in Belgium. So I did a bit of a geographical. Um, I moved here about four years ago. And, um, I thought, why not try and get sober in the beer capital of the world? You know, no, no temptation here whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, I came here and, um, lockdown happened and things escalated. And then two years ago, I decided I had to get sober, but, um, Did you move
0: to Belgium four years ago with the intentions
1: of getting sober or I need I needed a fresh start, put it that way. It was okay. definitely um something that was on the cards. And you know, I've I've had over ten years of failed attempts trying to get sober. And uh, I've lived my whole life in the same town in the UK. And um my husband's Belgian and I said, uh, do you mind if we eat Brexit? And that's what we did. So it's it was really the best decision I've ever made it's just it's been amazing and yeah today I do feel great thanks for asking I really do I'm I'm feeling like um I tend to like roll with the punches now instead of feeling like I'm being punched so you know (laughs) sober life isn't perfect as I'm sure you're well aware not no (laughs) but now I feel like I have the tools to deal with it and Mm -hmm. um So mentally, yeah, good. Physically, my God, I feel amazing. Woke up this morning, did a textbook turd. It was great. Oh, those are always good. Yeah, because I I used to wake up every morning with gripes in my stomach, just feeling like death warmed up. And I know it's not a very glamorous thing to talk about, but it's important not to gloss over these things because they, they are real and they happen. And, um, you know, I spent so long telling myself I had something posh like IBS or um, something hipster, like an intolerance to something like Mm -hmm. wheat, lactose, uh, anything, anything. Um, Pearl,
0: (laughs) I did not eat gluten or dairy for five years and still had explosive diarrhea several times per day. But it was the gluten and dairy. It had nothing to do with the alcohol.
1: It absolutely couldn't have been that. No. No. Of course, that's ludicrous to suggest that it could be alcohol. You know, we can't cut that out of our diet. I mean, think about this. Like, I missed out on, like, I look back, think of all the things.
0: Like, I know all the things I did not eat because of gluten and dairy. Like, all the yummy things that I missed out on. And I was such a bitch. And I was so cranky. (laughs) Because I couldn't have pasta or bread. And the bread I could have was, like, dry. It wasn't even satisfying.
1: What a miserable but, existence.
0: But, you know, I still had my wine and my beer and, you know, yeah, and the, you, the important did find,
1: stuff. Did you find that within a short space of time, your gut health recovered? Because mine oh, yeah. did literally, within about a week, you know, having had years of suffering with, with this chronic ailment that no one wants to talk about. And, and you can quite easily say, oh, I've eaten something dodgy. And everyone else will agree with you and say, oh, yeah, you must have done, knowing oh, probably yeah. well, it's because I've had a skin full. And, you know, it's just easy not to talk about it because it's kind of gross, but it's right. real. And, and that's the reality of it. And I, I had ailments from head to toe. <laughs> I was dealing with on a daily basis and you know, I had thrush all the time I had um mm. I've, I've got a bunion on my foot but I'm sure it turned into gout which is mm. something that Henry VIII had that yeah. I, I couldn't possibly have something medieval like that but I'm sure it was and it is all this excess of alcohol it's absolutely awful it just hijacks your immune system and just puts you on the back foot for everything and um, my God, I even at one point thought I had piles, hemorrhoids, and there was like the discomfort down there. And I thought, oh my God, you know, I have moved to Belgium. I I don't know the vocabulary in French how to ask for hemorrhoid cream in in the pharmacy. <laughs> and the only time I'd ever seen point, yeah, yeah, the only time I'd ever seen hemorrhoid cream was when I was a child and it rooting through my granddad's uh, cabinet in, in his bathroom. And I, I found this cream, I must have been about eight years old. I thought, what the fuck is that? That sounds disgusting. You've got to put it where? It, what? I hope I never get that. And lo and behold, thanks to my alcohol consumption, I was experiencing these symptoms that I'd read about on this packet. So I, I went to the pharmacy and Basically, I threw my husband under the bus. I, I learned in French how to say, my husband has a problem with his anus. Uh, can I have some cream, please? It's not for me. He'll never know. Well, he'll know because he'll probably listen to this podcast. But... Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I know, it's terrible. But you know what? These are the lengths that I went to through to, to deal on a daily basis with the awful reality of what drinking was doing to me and I do want to laugh about it now I have to laugh oh you have to because I'm I'm coming through the other side I'll never be there I'm I'm always going to be traveling on this trajectory hopefully that's my what I intend to do but when I think of the horrors of it you know just the chronic um, thinking about drinking, thinking about how I need to recover from drinking, thinking about how I can fit drinking into my day around everything else that I'm doing. It is just a living nightmare, a living nightmare, you know? So oh, yes, know. You have to be out of that. Yeah. If you experience the same. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything.
0: The hemorrhoid cream, all of it, all of it. Because I mean, when you're when you're shitting that much things do get a little uncomfortable down there. I what you mean, Steph? Don't be shy. Yeah. 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 I mean, it just <laughs> it's unpleasant. And it it's is. not and it, it, why and why? Like why did we do that to ourselves? I mean, that's the level of addiction, right? That's the only answer I can come up with because now that I'm clear-headed and I look back and we laugh about it and we think like why would we do that? it's because we were obviously like, that's when you can admit to yourself, well, obviously I was that addicted because no one in their right mind purposely causes themselves to have those kind of health issues. I mean, I always had to know where the bathroom was.
1: Yeah, I I walk
0: into a public place and I'm instantly like, where's the bathroom? Because I knew if I had an urgency, I had to get there.
1: It's awful, isn't it? And this is like, like you say, this sort of, um, complete uh tunnel vision and you know people say like a lot of people think that addiction or alcoholism is because you have a weakness of character and I think it's the absolute opposite because the lengths I went to faced with this this disease which is ultimately going to kill me and I still carried on doing it I mean if that doesn't show strength of character I don't know what And I think that is what has helped me get sober because I was going in there completely blinkers on. I will drink, I will drink, even though I knew what it was going to do to me. So by using that strength and turning it to my advantage, that has really helped me. And that's all with changing mindset and things like that, isn't it? So,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. So physically, I'm feeling really good. So it's the best. Thanks for asking. (laughs) It's the morning where you are, isn't it? It is. What have you done already? I I bet you've already like lifted a load of weights and like I haven't done that.
0: No, I haven't done that yet. I've done my I just started this new thing in the mornings where I do 20 minutes of me time because I am one of those people I've fallen into. and, And I love this about myself. I am very empathetic and I'm always there for others. And I love letting people be a sounding board for people. I love that people feel they can come to me and talk about things and do all that. But what I found is I'm getting lost in that and I'm never checking in with myself. And I have to, because that is something I admire about myself, I need to do that for myself too. So I have found, I do 20 minutes, like my phone is in another room. I actually go sit outside on the deck with my dog and we just sit and I check and I literally check in with myself and ask myself, how are you feeling today? What's going on? And it's hard because, as you know, the mind wants to start thinking about things I need to get done for the day. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. Because I have a hard time with emotions, which is why I drank. I Mm. just never want to come off. I don't want I don't ever want to come off overly emotional to make other people uncomfortable, which is just a whole nother thing. But so this is so I've done my 20 minutes of Stephanie time and I've taken my daughter to
1: school. It's her last day of school today. But that's it. It's all I've done. Do you think you'll um, gradually make your 20 minutes, so each week add on an extra minute or an extra two minutes?
0: I want to. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, not up to 24 hours, obviously. That would be ridiculous. But, you know, you could stretch it up to maybe an hour, I think. That would be quite nice. (laughs) It would be really nice. Isn't it difficult? Because essentially what you're saying is, you you give other people advice about boundaries and things like that and now you're taking your own advice you have to recognize that in yourself and say oh actually I need to uh, set up some limitations for what I need to do as well because I have a massive problem with with that because you know same as you I've got children and I've got yep. a busy life you know all of this stuff going on aside from the fact I've got like a million ideas buzzing around my head all of the time and just to say to myself right actually just fucking calm down a minute and and take some time <laughs> the washing up can wait doing that video can wait preparing this can wait you know it's it and it it does in the end make me more productive if i do take that time out it does
0: and to mm-hmm. just be like this morning i had a moment i get these little glimpses every once in a while of just being like where there's yeah. no thought it's it's actually like something I'm really striving for is like just having these little moments where there's absolutely zero thought and I'm just there. Yeah. So I did have that this morning. It was pretty cool.
1: But well, like it's really Miyagi hard to get says, there. Mr. Miyagi in, in The Karate Kid, he says there's mm-hmm. a difference between doing nothing and being still. And you know, he he, he is nothing if not quotable, Mr. Miyagi.
0: I love that. To so get
1: about peace sense. But yeah, being still, just finding that. I don't even know if it's calm. I don't think I will ever find calm in my life. I think that's an unrealistic goal. What I strive for more is finding moments of serenity within a storm, within the eye of a storm and being able to let those things go around me, go through me, deal with it in that way. And uh, because we all have... Totally unrealistic goals. You know, this thing, everyone wants to be happy. Well, for me, that's the anomaly. If I have moments of happiness, that's amazing. But life, unfortunately, is hard. And that is one of the reasons why a lot of us drink as well, mm-hmm. because you don't have to deal with things, do you, face on? So reality bites.
0: Reality bites. Yeah. <laughs> it does. And it's like the biggest the biggest hurdle in sobriety is facing your reality because i mean i i you started drinking at 14 right am i right yeah. on that? Yeah. me too oh, me too so that's a long time of not facing reality and yeah. developing horrible coping skills for everything in life and so giving ourselves some time and to learn a new way and being patient with that because it's yeah. so hard to learn those
1: new skills. Oh God, do you know what? I, I'll I'll tell you, my husband's name is Bernard. I'll tell you that because I'll probably talk about him a bit now. But anyway, I said to him the other day, "My God, I feel like a different person." Um, there's a an Instagram account that a lot of people follow called Fucking Sober and. He says something like, um, if you knew me in my drinking days, no, you didn't. And that is so true because I feel like a different person. And I said, It's isn't it strange for you? I'm I'm a different person to who you married. And I just don't feel like that person. I can't look at photographs of myself without thinking, who is that? And uh, I said, Oh, maybe, maybe we can like pretend that I'm like pearls uh sexy uh got it all together twin sister and he was like oh I don't I don't like that because I still know that's not you but going back to what you were saying about coping strategies it we decided the best way to describe it is like I've been in a coma for 20 years Mm. come out of it and now I have to relearn everything I had to teach myself how to wash up without a glass of wine next to me. I had to teach myself how to do absolutely everything. And that is not an exaggeration. I couldn't go to the supermarket for six months. I couldn't Mm -hmm. go shopping. I found it hard to cook food. Every single part of my day was punctuated with alcohol. And so even just to learn how to uh, do menial tasks, let alone cope with uh, anxiety, stress, rage which I think is um, a very valid emotion but it's something that I'm really trying to harness but all of those things which are major and all the small things as well it was like being a baby like Mm -hmm. literally being a baby and still having to function and perform as a mother as an employee as you know all these roles which I don't want to sound like it's a blanket statement or whatever but women seem to have A lot of roles put upon them and (laughs) just the overcompensation for that, Mm -hmm, you know, it's mm -hmm. exhausting, exhausting to the max. And it's just,
0: it's not just the roles. It's the pressure as a woman Mm -hmm. to keep all the balls up at the same time when you're juggling and to do it all with a smile. And it's, it's so hard.
1: Yeah. It's, it's superhuman. We're not really built to raise families the way we do, I don't think. I think I'd rather do it like they, in Africa, you know, it takes a village. Um, yes. We're very isolated in in the Western world. You know, everything is, um, you know, like I said, it's it's very isolating and people find it hard to ask for help because it's not the done thing in our culture. Whereas, you know, you you travel to other places where there's a more of a family culture and extended families living together. I don't know any statistics on it, but I'm sure that they have a much better quality of life, mental health, um, all of those things. And just to turn to alcohol was part of the reason I drank so much, uh, which obviously we all know how that story ends. Not very nicely. <laughs> She says laughing nervously, but it's, it's a shit show. Shit show. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? As you laugh. Well, I, well what I will say, I mean, as regards to my family and stuff like that, um, I feel really fortunate because my husband doesn't drink. And he would very occasionally have um, a glass of wine. He's never really been bothered about it and, um, oh god, i should I should probably tell you what happened at our wedding if I'm going down this road, but let's hear it. Well, we got married. We've been together for about um we've been together for about thirteen years, but we got married about seven years ago. Okay. and, um, it was in the u k that's where we were living, and his family, all his family from Belgium came over it was It was the big chance for both our families to amalgamate, meet each other, all of that. Um, and it was great the day went really well and then um in the evening uh, it, it just turned to utter chaos it was like it was like the scene in um trainspotting where Begbie b throws his beer glass behind him and the whole place erupts into into fighting so what had happened was the the proprietor had been drinking all day um whiskey and had got more and more drunk and aggressive as the day went on and um, he he wanted the DJ to stop and it was only I think 10 30 in the evening and we were told it had to finish at 11 but anyway long story short he went and uh, took the DJ and then anyway a fight broke out and then oh, the place God. erupted and by the end of the evening there were police cars police vans there there were multiple arrests we were supposed to be staying at the venue and i said i'm not staying there i was there frying in my wedding dress um and i i said to bernard i said we've got to, we've got to go home i'm not staying here and he said okay but this this is why i started talking about this this is how much he doesn't drink we got in the car to leave and there were police crawling everywhere and they breathalized him and i thought oh shit and he, it didn't even register. He had no alcohol in his oh, system him. at his own wedding. It's like one of my, my friends from school, he was arrested by mistake because they they were told that the DJ was wearing a checkered shirt. They arrested my friend John by mistake. And his wife just walked past and went, oh, God, you look sexy like that, and left him to it. There was absolute bedlam going on all around us. But my husband was absolutely, completely sober and drove us all home. And this is how much he loves me. Like The next morning, he woke up to what must have looked like Alice Cooper in a wedding dress. Because my <laughs> makeup was all down my face. I was still in my dress. And I just said, did that really happen last night? And he said, yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> what a way to start a marriage. Yeah, but... Great, because I mean, you know, I, I I do feel so lucky that I've got I I live with someone that doesn't drink and doesn't care about the fact that I I absolutely do not want alcohol in my house. I don't. I I'll find it anyway. You know, I will know. I, there's no hiding place in my house. I've tried all of that. I'm sure you've tried every single trick in the book as well. Moderation, hiding things, like saying certain nights a week all of that so it just makes our life so much easier Mm -hmm. because um you know luckily he he doesn't drink I don't know what I would do if I had a partner that that drinks I I think I'd look at them if they were drinking in front of me I'd probably just say look when you do that it just looks like you're fucking someone in front of me Mm -hmm. it would make me feel like that sort of disloyalty or, you know, like seeing one of your friends with a narcissistic ex of yours or something like that, that kind of feeling. But I don't know. I mean, how uh, your husband drinks, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. But it's, it's calmed down a bit now or? It has. Um,
0: I've had to go to a lot of therapy for that because just what you were describing Like, he's Mm. fucking someone in front of you or – yeah, like, they're – that is exactly how I described, especially early on, how I would feel when my friends or my husband were drinking around me and still, like, still carrying on like we all used to. Because at the beginning, I – I was so adamant. Nothing's going to change, you guys. Like, I'm just not going to drink. You guys go ahead and drink. You see the people pleaser in me. Just go ahead and drink. You You know, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. Like, you do your thing. But quickly, it became an issue internally because, like you said, I felt like here they are still making the jokes about drinking and glorifying it and, oh, I need a drink and you deserve a drink and all that bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I'm over there internally going, oh my God, you guys, I just told you what alcohol did to my life. Like it was giving me crippling anxiety and health, like physical health issues. And it is, it's like telling someone this person was abusive to me, like mentally and physically abusive to me. And then they've decided they're going to go hang out with this person and they're going to act like, oh, it was you, that's why they were mean. It was because of you. They're good to me. They're just fine. You see, what I, and I know you know exactly what I'm saying, because that's kind of what you were just describing. It's like
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. it's it feels like a betrayal, But I had to learn to let that go because yeah. the problem is we are not going to be able to control everyone around us and tell them that they can't drink because we're not drinking. And I think that was the biggest thing that I've learned in therapy is to just keep focusing on myself. And yeah. it really has helped because last weekend, my husband had a couple of people over, we have a we have a pool and they were drinking and it was probably the, cause last summer was really hard and I've been kind of like, Oh, it's getting nice. It's getting to be summer. Is it going to be the same? But I do feel like I am in a different place mentally when it comes to everyone else's drinking, where it's like, do what you got to do, do what yeah. you got to do. I'm strong enough now. It doesn't trigger me. It doesn't make me want to have a drink. Thank God. Mm-hmm. But I can yeah. imagine um, it being that way for, for some people. I mean, I see comments on Instagram and I'm I'm on the lived app as well, where that is the biggest thing people are struggling with right now is being out and everyone around them is drinking and they feel left out, right? Mm-hmm. They feel left out. And I remember feeling that way. And that's when I instantly knew I have to remove myself from that situation as hard as it is, because I have if if I'm sitting there feeling left out, then I need to not be sitting there until I'm confident enough to sit there and not feel left out anymore until I'm confident enough to know I'm not missing out on anything. Now I look at people when they're drinking and I actually feel like, man, they're missing out on so much by not doing what big I'm doing.
1: Time. You know? Big time, big time. It's like, yeah, this kind of, I, I was say, you know, when you try and tell people that you're not drinking, um, it's, it's like you have to go into a boxing ring. It's like these people that, you know, want to support you and love you, but they still keep doing this thing around you, exposing you to it. And you have to keep explaining to them that, no, it's serious. I can't mm-hmm. do this. And just that ongoing battle. But then, like you just said, you feel more of an inner strength and focusing on your own sobriety and what you're doing. That's amazing. And I think that's kind of a click that goes off in your brain. And that only happened with me in the last six months. And I've been sober for two years and I avoided going out. I just yeah. did not want to put myself in those situations, and I don't really want to label myself. But I've always been told by others that I'm an extrovert. Well, I have massive social anxiety. Of course, I was an extrovert. I was off my bloody head most of the time, and I, I'm not. And I wouldn't say I'm an introvert either. You know, I I experience things in an anxious way, probably. But um, to be able to focus on your own sobriety, but it's, it's so difficult, especially like you say, the sun's out. I noticed recently on my newsfeed, loads of people are relapsing, resetting, mm. drinking, saying, oh, I'm going to moderate all of this. I think the fucking sun has come out and we can't even enjoy the sun without this major association that it has with alcohol. And I, I do remember how strong that craving was yeah. when I first quit. It's just like, my god you see people out on the terrace on the beer gardens all of that and it's just bloody hell it's like how do you deal with this major craving this trigger because it's 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 your brain just thrives on habits and the habit that you've trained it to do to go on to autopilot is to go and have a drink when the sun's out isn't yeah. it
0: it's what made you feel good yeah, before thinking. And your yeah. brain wants to feel good again, and so, yeah, I I hit out like you're saying. Like, I I definitely identify as an introvert. I always have, and I've used alcohol to be extroverted because my husband's extremely extroverted, and we always had people at our house, like we were the party house. And I had to be able to be ready to share my home with people who were drunk and never wanted to leave and stayed for hours and hours on end. And it became, I just accepted it. And the only way to accept it and to power through it was to get blackout drunk so that Mm -hmm. I could, so I could put on that mask and be who everyone needed me to be and entertain them and do all those things. So I have found that I had to just quit doing that. I had to. It wasn't me anyway. I didn't enjoy it. I learned very quickly I wasn't enjoying it. So I wasn't going to push myself to do those things. And that's been hard for my husband. But I think now that he has taken a huge step back from his drinking, he's noticing he's a little more introverted than he thought. Like he's made (laughs) comments, man, is this bad? I actually would just rather hang out all weekend. And not do anything like it freaks him out because he's so used to being that way and being that for everyone else. Everyone like had this expectation that he was going to be the provider of fun. And he (laughs) really wore that hat and loved wearing that hat. But I think now that he's kind of let himself take a little bit of a break, he's like, damn, this really ain't that bad to just hang out and watch Netflix all weekend with you and and just eat a lot of food and chill.
1: I think I, uh, there's a, a woman that I know that lives here and she has like this fascination, almost obsession with the mundane, just appreciating, you know, the, the joy of the ordinary. You know, you've heard, heard of that. And it's so true that there is so much joy to be had in being able to kick kick back and watch Netflix and chill. You know, or do whatever you want like that. Because, you know, I, same for me, I, I stopped hosting parties. My house was a party house, as you can probably imagine. Sure. We hardly see people now because I was always the ringleader. I was always the one organizing events. And obviously, that was to facilitate my drinking as well. You know, it's like, yep. if I invite everyone around all the time, then that means I can drink and uh, just, yeah. thinking about all of that and people say oh my god I don't want to get sober because that means I'll be boring but boredom is one of the biggest triggers of drinking so if you're bored already my mum always said to me don't come and tell me you're bored only boring people get bored and I kind of agree with that (laughs) sure yeah (laughs) it's a bit harsh isn't it if you're bored already and you decide oh I'm gonna drink because I'm bored well then surely then you're you're kind of bored and you're sort of dumbing down whereas I think sobriety makes you level up doesn't it like oh yeah I had to date myself when I quit drinking finally I had to take myself on metaphorical dates i was like right who are you then like what are you what do you like doing i buy myself flowers i always have fresh flowers i i try all sorts of weird hobbies and stuff like that and i just got to know myself and got out of the boring life of getting drunk all the time and realizing actually drinking alcohol took everything that i enjoyed doing and I found interesting and, you know, I couldn't even read a book for God's sake. I would go to bed, read the same paragraph three times <sighs> and speak out. That's boring. That's really boring. Now I read a couple of books, you know, at least a couple of books a month. And I've always got something on the go, always researching stuff. I've got an inquisitive mind. That's not boring, is it? That's fascinating.
0: Uh, you are far from boring, far <laughs> from it. Anyone who follows you on
1: Instagram would agree with me. Your videos are, like, your reels are so good. So good. Tell my daughter that. She's like, well, you've got a daughter as well. Yes. <laughs> How old is your daughter? She's nearly 16. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah, mine's almost 15. So they're they're probably about the same phase of life where like they she loves me, but then there's like limits to that love, right? Like she loves me, but I can't get too too crazy or try to be too cool cuz then she's like, "Okay, stop. <laughs> now you're being too extra, mom. Like you got to stop."
1: That doesn't exist, does it? Being too extra. That that's not correct. You better get used that. to it yeah.
0: because I'm not like I feel like I have a lot of time to make up for. So yeah but she follows my account so she's like the first person to like she'll get home from school and her ride home from school with her friend she's catching up on you know all the reels and stuff for the day and then she'll walk in the door and it's either that was a pretty cool one or she's just like so annoyed because she's so embarrassed of what I did. It's like
1: it's like the test isn't it? What will my teenage daughter think of this? Mm-hmm. So actually now my daughter's sort of understands the fact that I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing right and, um, so she she doesn't really get embarrassed by it anymore but she does appreciate it when I edit things nicely it's <laughs> like it aesthetically pleasing even if I'm saying a load of stuff that is like a bit crazy or close to the bone or whatever as long as it looks nice it's all right
0: <laughs> then she's she's you get her little stamp of approval if it looks nice <laughs>
1: Yeah. well I certainly know if she doesn't put it that way. <laughs> does she ever
0: want to like do reels with you or is that just like not her thing no way
1: absolutely no way no she 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 does. like you at
0: all like personality
1: wise does she um, have that well my daughter has autism and oh okay uh, yeah so uh she 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 has a lot of very um niche interests and mm-hmm. she loves Latin. <laughs> she's very different what? from me if I can describe her now. She's a mathematician, she loves Latin, and she does do music though. She plays music, but it's for her own enjoyment. She would never want to um perform in public okay. or yeah, do anything like that. So I mean. Uh, she doesn't have an online presence at all she's just you know she's she's not into all of that but she's that she makes me think out of the box and she teaches me stuff every single day Mm. it's like uh, she questions everything and it and, and the more I listen to what she's saying the more it makes sense it's like why do we have these systems in place why why do we have to go along with this And it applies to alcohol, the fact that we go against the grain by quitting. And she is always feeling like she's going against the grain because she questions things. Mm -hmm. And that's what I strive to do because I spent so many years being a zombie. I do want to question things. I want to question bloody big alcohol, you know, it's just all of that. How, How do we fight this Goliath, you know? it's just I can't understand it I heard a, a guy <laughs> at one of the meetings I go to because uh, I, I go to AA but I've only been going for about three months I um I did it all a bit backwards I I decided that I wanted to go and meet some real real live people yeah who understand you know you know what it's like you know I, I love the online community I love it but I really wanted to connect with people where I live because also moving here I had to make new friends at the age of like 40 I had to go out and start making friends and I felt like the new girl at school and I didn't Uh. speak the language fluently and all of that and um I just I found my tribe with these people That's the only way I can describe it and just you know, if I, if I, if I go in there feeling really confident and complacent about my sobriety, I'll leave like putting myself in check and like, oh fuck, that was a good reminder. Or I'll go in there feeling a bit shit, like I've taken a step back in my recovery and I'll go in there. And by the time I come out, I'll feel better about myself and reassured. So for me, it works really well. But a guy shared a story the other day and he said, to get to the meeting I go to you have to walk through like the crazy part of Brussels and there's everybody outside drinking and all that oh and he you know it says it says on like alcohol bottles drink responsibly and stuff like that he said not one of these people outside are drinking responsibly they're sitting there with half a glass left untouched what are they doing the only people that drink responsibly are alcoholics because we know how to do it properly and everyone just cracked up laughing because it's true it's an addictive substance we we are the only ones who do it responsibly how it should be done take it to the nth degree nearly fuck up your life and kill yourself all these other people they're not doing it right and it just um broke the silence and everyone just cracked up laughing because I thought what a wacky way to look at it (laughs) yeah I've never
0: thought of it that way but it's true like no drop left behind when when, yeah I mean we used to call it alcohol abuse if you didn't finish your drink that's alcohol abuse like we'd be leaving the bar or whatever finish that that's alcohol abuse
1: yeah or if you miss your mouth or you've got a drink problem yeah all of that kind of discourse it's uh it's crazy isn't it
0: just
1: carnage. Mm. but yeah I just where where do you think I, I was asked this question recently like where do you think you got your courage from to stop drinking because I know a lot of people for example start AA they're there because they've been told to go go there sit down listen and the penny will drop and a lot of people turn up and they don't have a desire to stop or they think, oh, I'll come here and then I'll be able to moderate, but to white knuckle it like I did for the first year and a half. And like you must've done, where did you find that courage? Cause I couldn't answer this question. Where did yeah. it come
0: from? I'm going to get spiritual on you. I think my higher self really, really okay. stepped, stepped forward for me in as far as like making the decision To get sober, I think that's what happened. My higher self came in at a time when I was feeling really hungover. I was on vacation. I couldn't get out of bed. It was the first day of vacation. I blacked out and... Everyone else was up going to breakfast. I couldn't go do anything with them. It was that bad. And my, and it wasn't just the nausea. It's the anxiety that came with my hangovers where I just, I wanted to crawl out of my skin. Like I just, I couldn't, you know, most people will just lay in bed and sleep it off. I'm laying in bed, tossing and turning because my, my body is just adrenaline, 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 and yeah. nothing would stop it. And I finally there was just like this inner voice that was like, you're doing this to yourself. It's the alcohol. And I Googled it. Like I literally, there was this huge part of me that literally did not believe alcohol was a problem for me. And I know Mm. that's so hard to believe because I talked to so many people and they're like, oh my gosh, I'd wake up in the, the morning and be like, why did I do that to myself? No, I would wake up in the morning and be like, what can I do so that I don't have to be hung over anymore, but I can continue to drink. I mean, I used to buy these patches that I would wear that were full of vitamin C. I was so different in that because I didn't think I had a drinking problem. I just thought I had a problem processing the
1: alcohol, and it sounds so silly, but that's how addicted I it was. Like sound silly, because deni- denial goes hand in hand with addiction because it's like when we drink, it's a short term. Fix, isn't it? It's always it denial. Does that? It's a short-term fix. It's oh no, you're not that bad. Oh no, I can't process it like others. La la la. So it it goes hand in hand. It doesn't sound bizarre to me at all. It sounds like you you manage to to catch yourself and break out of that that denial somehow. Yeah. So I'm just to the to t- yeah. You- so
0: I'm just the type of person. Once I'm very committed. So once I know something. I'm like, okay, no turning back. So once I Googled that and I couldn't find anything, you know, when you Google, you can usually find something. No, there was nothing. All of it was like, yes, hello, you are doing this to yourself. Like if you want to stop having anxiety attacks, then you need to stop drinking. It's that simple. And so I I didn't obviously stop right then and there because that's really hard to do as we all know, but that's when Mm -hmm. it started for me. And that's when I, I laid there and I came up with a plan and I, (laughs) that was like, that was end of November. And then I got sober December 26th. So there was a month of planning, researching. I'm a researcher. I'm a planner, but yes, then I white knuckled it because Mm. I didn't go to AA because I didn't have a drinking problem. I just needed to quit drinking. So I didn't go to AA and I read, um, quit like a woman. Yeah. And I listened to some podcasts and I got into my fitness, but at 99 days, I was like, I need, I need support because by then I had like, felt like not, I wasn't getting any support from the people that I used to drink with, obviously. And I don't, I don't condemn them, condemn them for that at all.
1: That That is not their
0: responsibility at all. But I did then get on Instagram at day 99 and that's because of quit like a woman. She suggests that in the book. Go on mm. Instagram, follow the hashtags sobriety, non-drinker. You will find your people, and the rest is history. Now I'm sitting here
1: doing a podcast with you. It's, it's, it, I know it's it's bonkers, isn't it? I, it's like like you say, it quit alcohol ultimately you have to do it on your own but you can't do it without support i don't think i think that's why i failed you need support but ultimately you have to do it on your own and thinking about where we where we manifest this courage like i always think that it has to come hand in hand with a willingness a willingness to um face the facts and to face the reality of what we're doing to ourselves and those two combined get you out of the despair because for me the opposite is is despair it's just literally clawing your way out of out of hell isn't it Mm -hmm. you know ruining your life you know you're on holiday and I I, the the type of hangover or alcohol withdrawal that you described earlier is it it's like nothing else is it it's just torture (laughs) and
0: And to to know that I'm and to know now that I will never have to feel that again. Mm. Like the power of that is in my hands. I get to decide if I'm ever going to feel that again or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I decide every day that I am not ever doing that again.
1: Oh God. Every morning I wake up and I don't even know who I say it to. First thing I do is like revel in the fact that I am not hungover. Literally, I don't think that novelty will ever wear off. Oh, before no. I even open my eyes, I'm like, oh, I'm not hungover. Then no. I say thanks, thanks me, thanks, universe, whatever. And then I I decide to my intention for the day is to just do the same as yesterday, repeat today. But I I going going to AA, I mean it, it has a lot of um bad press I mean I've found a great group I know a lot of people have to shop around and you have to find the right vibe I feel like I found that and the real sticking point with me was the religious aspect of it I mean it's so you can you can take your higher power to mean anything and Mm. some hilarious ones have come up there was a guy who said he was feeling really shit it was an early sobriety what is all this god crap that they're telling me I've got to believe in and he managed to get himself downstairs he was lying on the sofa looking outside he's like okay well if there's a god or a higher power just give me a sign and then these like two amorous squirrels started fucking in the tree outside the house he was like oh my god there's there's my sign like there is a higher power right That's it. I just asked for the sign and here it is.
0: (laughs) That is amazing.
1: (laughs) It's great. So he
0: worships squirrels now.
1: So now, yeah, I suppose he's like, well, (laughs) just, just ask for a sign. But you see signs everywhere. If you're open to the concept of it. Then you see signs everywhere. There's a woman who said, Oh, her higher power is the number 54 bus because it's the one that takes her from work directly past where she used to drink and drops her off at the door of her house. And we were like, Well, what happens when they change the timetable or whatever? But you know, you can have lots of different forms of a higher power. Mine's music. I love music. It sends me into meditation and it never questions me and it doesn't judge me. And I get answers when I'm when I'm writing or just practicing on my base. Um, I have another friend who's higher power, she finds in books, you know, she's a massive bookworm and she always finds the answer in a book. And it's if you're open to noticing things in your, which I don't want to speak for everyone, but now I'm sober, I do tend to notice a lot more stuff going on around me and uh, I just find magic, magic in all of it and take it as a sign. Yeah. Why not? Because it's quite easy to take other things as a negative sign. We don't question that, do we? The negative no. self-talk or signs or you know pessimism. Why not turn it the other way and take it as a a sign, something positive? It's the serendipity in life,
0: like all the little but little ways you can find that you're connected to everyone. Like for instance, even with you, I was I meant to tell you this at the beginning when we were talking about Belgium. My family on my mom's side are Belgium oh really yeah um the last name was Binky yeah and so I looked it up this morning just to verify because you know when you're like told something as a kid like (laughs) oh we're Belgium but then like you find because well and this is why because on my dad's side I remember my grandma used to say we were Swedish on that side and then (laughs) you know Swedish (laughs) But no, I so no get this. So like all my life, well, all my childhood, I thought I loved to say I was Swedish because I have the blonde hair and the blue eyes. And so I like totally owned it. I found out maybe 10 years ago, we're not Swedish on that side. I don't even remember now what we are because at that point I didn't even care. My heart was broken. Like my identity was gone. I wasn't Swedish anymore, but I did look it up. We are, I am Belgium on my mom's side. And yeah. yeah, the last name is Vinky. And I was like, That is so cool because I've never, obviously I've never met anyone from Belgium. I just started meeting people from outside of the United States when I got sober and I've met so many people all over the world Mm -hmm. and it's just opened this new curiosity for me that I would have never had. I would have never had that. But like the connections, like as I get to know people in these other countries, like we're all so similar still, you know what I mean? Like there's just so many things that connect us
1: in different ways and it's amazing. Yeah we we have we have a common goal we have we all we want to be sober and that brings us together it's an unwritten unspoken understanding that we never have to explain and just knowing that someone really does really does understand Mm -hmm. is it it, it links you to these people, you know. I have like any anyone that comes up to me and like tells me they're sober. I'm like, well, I got a crush on you. Like you're so cool. <laughs> that like how I
0: feel. You know they're cool because you you know they're cool. You know they're courageous. You know, like all those great things because you know what it takes. You know yeah. what they've had to go through.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's like this
0: unspoken God. agreement or like this unspoken knowing that you instantly have with someone.
1: Yeah. And just, you know, well, I mean, even things like, you know, people are always sending me messages, like I'm desperate to be sober and things like that. And I just remember the very early days of sobriety I think you should get like a massive award sometimes for even every minute that you managed to get through in those days for me it was minute by minute hour by hour and then it did get easier and for a long time I just spent like what do you do when you don't drink I I stared out of the window wishing I could moderate I spent hours staring into the middle distance like oh god what do I do now and when these cravings used to come, I used to, you know, the very first video I put on my Instagram, it was like, um, when a craving comes, what do you do? You tell it to go fuck it itself. And it was, it was kind of like a punk sort of song. And that's what I had to do in the early days. But now I'm uh, working a program. I take what I'm learning in that into my sobriety and in practicing it. So now when if I get a craving or a trigger, which aren't as, as strong as they were in the early days, but they spring up on you. And what I've I've learned to do now is acknowledge it. I don't tell it to go fuck itself because I don't feel fragile anymore. I don't feel right. like I can go on the attack. Now I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna listen to you. You don't have any lines in my play, just to let you know, I'm I'm the director of this play, but I'm gonna listen to your input then I'm going to tell you how and why you can go and fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. And I find that so like empowering to be able to do that oh. now. And just, I feel grateful that I'm a recovering alcoholic. The amount of self-analysis it has afforded me that I think every single person should should go through. I'm not saying everyone should go be an alcoholic. What I'm saying is but the way that I strip back every everything that I encounter, every thought I have, and unpack it. I know that's a cliche to say. You know, I, I'm so grateful for the fact that I do that now. And it's because I'm in recovery and it's because I acknowledge everything. And when I encounter situations, I'm like, mm, okay, how are we going to deal with this? But it's horrible. I I was I was chatting to my sponsor and she we talked about she said to me, do you like the taste of alcohol? And I said, yes. And I said, this is all a bit of an unexpected conversation. I said, well, it's just that some people don't enjoy the taste. They they want the effect, but they, they'll they drink alka or vodka or whatever, you know, that doesn't taste of alcohol necessarily. And I said, yes, I, I do enjoy the taste. I said, I don't eat cheese anymore because I can't drink red wine with it. You know, mm. I and i started describing the sensation of drinking i could feel it in my mouth i could imagine it going down my throat i could i it was it was such a strange unexpected exercise and i felt like i was really taking a step back in my progression i thought this is weird i shouldn't i shouldn't be talking about this substance that nearly killed me in this way Mm -hmm. and um, I said to her, I feel really awful, and she said, well, you know, it it is really important to talk about these things, and not to gloss over it, because they are the sort of ghosts that will, they will creep up on, these ghosts will creep up on you, they'll haunt you at unexpected moments, and you need to be prepared for it, and you need to be like a ghostbuster, because when I was walking around, in active alcoholism, active addiction, I felt like I had a ghost on my back. It was the only way I can describe it. So if I go through these processes of really peeling it away, thinking about every sensation that it gave me and questioning it, when these little ghosts pop up, I can I can get my proton pack out and I can get rid of it now. And I'm just, oh God, so, so grateful for that. And so grateful to have someone that can talk to me about that. And it's things I haven't even thought. It's like, it's, it's amazing. I just love it. Just, I just love all sober people. I love quite a lot of piss heads as well, but I I really love sober people. (laughs)
0: Piss (laughs) heads.
1: My fellow recovering piss heads. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But that's, I mean, that's the definition right there of doing the work. When we talk about you have to do the work or when people see that and they're like, well, what does it mean to do the work? That's doing the work. Yeah. You can't white knuckle it. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to quit and just carry on with my life because you'll go right back to it. You have to dig in. Why did I drink? What did I like about it? You know, when was I doing it and why did I do it then? And because when you can call that out, you can, like you said, you can get ahead of it when those ghosts come out.
1: Yeah. Totally. And yeah, just, yeah, just having this awareness. And I sort of think, God, will that ever go away? Because I only know what I know now. And I'm not an authority on it. And I'm only having my own experience of it. I have a friend who, oh my God, she was nine months sober yesterday. And my God, she just said to me, I was fucking sick of it. I'm well rid. My God, I can't believe that because I felt like I had a gun to my head when I decided to stop drinking, and um, she didn't look back. And I think what an amazing experience for her. That's so cool. Yeah. And long may it continue. It's different for everybody, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We all have mm-hmm. to understand that as well. And yeah, just try trying not to take it for granted, because I do have really good days. I, I've never really had pink cloud. I know you were talking about that before. Um mm-hmm. Oh no, I saw you do a live with Suze mm-hmm. and you were talking yeah. about Pink Cloud. Yeah. I never really had that. I get little, little like puffs of pink maybe and they're they're dotted around my little day. Little pink bubbles. My... <laughs> little pink bubbles, let's say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. But um some people have this major like euphoria, they're skipping around like, oh I've got my period, I don't care, I'm sober. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I just had these little pink, pink puffs following me around every now and again, popping around, and um, I'm more than more than content with that. I can tell you. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> Did you? We're we're running out of time, but I I usually ask people for final thoughts. But you mentioned you may have a song. Did you oh, yeah. prepare anything? Yeah, I do can you... do. Do you want to, should we close this amazing conversation out with a little, a little (laughs) entertainment from Pearl? I think we should. All right.
1: Well, as we've been talking about the fact that we sometimes glamorize our um, experience with alcohol, this is a song called Thank You for the Wonderful Memories. And uh, it's all the stuff that I'm not missing out on anymore now that I'm sober. Okay. Okay. You helped me pick fights with my loved ones. You gave me coffee and bloodshot eyes. I had panic attacks for breakfast. You made me fuck disgusting guys. You helped me feel as a human body. You gave me gout and thrush and piles. Thank you for the wonderful memories. Now I'm saying, right, right. it's not me, it's you. There
0: you go. Oh. <laughs> Perfection.
1: I love that.
0: <laughs> do you, I mean, do you just like come up with this stuff? Like this is what your brain does, isn't it? This is your creativity. Yeah. I, is,
1: I, I mean, f- how long does it take you to, to
0: do something like that?
1: Oh, not like, long. You, it'll pop, in, it'll pop into just, my head. Yeah yeah it's not like um it's not a painful um overwork process it'll literally just pop into my head and every wednesday on my instagram i always have a new jingle that i i call them jingles because they're always really short and um yeah so if you ever wanna watch any i've got quite a few and maybe i <sighs> maybe i should put them on a on an album release them on Ooh, spotify Oh, you should <laughs> Yeah, all right. Girl, you totally should. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've got a quite a back catalog yeah. now. Maybe I'll you do, do that.
0: Oh, I, okay. I'm telling <laughs> you, you got to do that. You heard it here first. Well, thank you for sharing that song and sharing all of those parts of your story <gasps> and, and just putting yourself out there every day. You're yeah. like the biggest light. I love getting on Instagram. <laughs> because I love humor. That's how I deal with shit.
1: Amen to that, absolutely. Thank you so much, Steph.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Remember, I am just a woman on a mission to normalize sobriety and living a sober lifestyle. I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor. Please, if alcohol is causing serious physical or mental health issues, seek professional help. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to hit follow so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, leaving a five-star review will help this podcast reach more people like you in the sober community. It's an easy way to spread the word in normalizing a sober lifestyle. You should never feel alone in sobriety. So feel free to reach out to me via email or through my Instagram account at this is Steph Sober. Links to both are listed in the show notes.